Welcome to the Managing Miscarriage Podcast. I am Melissa Whitman, founder of the nonprofit One Generation and our current initiative, Managing Miscarriage. I need your help. Let's take this community to the next level. Here's what you can do. Number one, if you like this podcast, please hit pause and take a few seconds to rate it on iTunes. Number two, donate through our website, managingmiscarriage.com. Number three, share your story. Go to calendly.com slash Melissa Whitman to schedule a time to chat with me. Or number four, join our Patreon page for over 30 more episodes you can't find anywhere else as well as exclusive content. Patreon.com slash miscarriage. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash miscarriage. All the details are linked in the show notes. Enjoy the episode and thanks for tuning in. So Sarah, you have had three losses in the last two years trying for your third baby and you have two older kiddos. So take us to to this miscarriage journey for you to where that started. Okay. Um, so I guess starting kind of at the beginning, I've been married um, for eight years to my husband. We've been together for about 10 and we do have two kids. I have a six-year-old boy and a um, three-and-a-half-year-old girl. And so um, I'm 38 now. <laughs> I was 32 and 34 when I had my kids. Um, so it was actually super easy to get pregnant with both of my children, um, uh, which was amazing. Um, we didn't really try very long. Um, my son's early, my pregnancy with my son in that early period was kind of difficult. So um, the pregnancy was just kind of challenging in a way. And then um, when I was pregnant at the same time as my best friend and um, very close to our due dates, um, her child was stillborn. So it was really challenging to have that experience yeah, um, wow. for her, obviously, and for our friendship and just for my pregnancy in general. Um, so then like I had an emergency C-section and breastfeeding was really hard and I had postpartum depression. So it was just, I'm just telling that because it sort of led to my journey of wanting a third. Um, so I kind of like emerged from the fog of that experience and began really enjoying being a mother. And um, I have a brother. And so we really wanted to try again. So we did. Um, and I got pregnant pretty easily again the second time. And then it was like um, sort of a restorative birth experience, I'd say. Um, the pregnancy was super easy. And then I had a um, VBAC, which was like exhilarating. And um, just the whole experience was a lot easier. And from the moment um, they put my daughter in my arms from when I had her, I just instantly was like, I have to do this again. It was like an incredibly strong yearning that this couldn't be my last experience of having a child. Um, So that's kind of where I was at. So um, I really knew I wanted a third baby. Um, so when my daughter was about 18 months old, um, 
we went to, or I went to see my OBGYN. I'd had an IUD, so I had that taken out. And we started trying like at the end of the summer in um, 2017. And so um, I very quickly got pregnant, which was super surprising because it always took like a little bit of time to kind of figure out when my best time was. Um, and so it was kind of a really funny time at, at in my life too, because I, I work with all women. There's like, I don't know, 30, 40 of us and met several women were pregnant at the time. So at first I was kind of like, oh no, like this is going to be really hard on the work because a lot of us is going to, are going to be on maternity leave. Um, but that pregnancy was kind of different because I kept taking like pregnancy tests and they were like not really getting darker. And um, I wasn't really sure what was going on, but I was kind of just waiting to see. And then like a week really after I discovered I was pregnant. So at five weeks, I went to the bathroom and there was some blood. So I called the doctor and they said, you know, just kind of wait and see, but it could just be a very early miscarriage or a chemical pregnancy. So I took my kids to the zoo and then, um, oh my gosh, <laughs> because I was like, what else am I going to do? Cause my son is very active. So you kind of just have to keep moving. And I was uh, kind of uncomfortable, but then, um, the next day I woke up and it was like a lot of bleeding and I was very, I was like pretty crampy. And so um, I do home visiting for early intervention for my job. So I actually went to a visit and I was very unfocused at it. Um, so I went home and <laughs> took the day off and just kind of like laid in bed in blood for the rest of the day. I went and got a blood test from the doctor and they said, Technically, I was still pregnant, but my levels were declining so that it was a miscarriage. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, so that's my miscarriage experience. Like that's, you know, one in four and I've, I've had my miscarriage and it was very hard. You know, I was, I was sad and I felt like emotional and things like that, but it was, I understood it. It made sense to me in some way. Like I'd been so lucky with my other kids getting pregnant and having healthy pregnancies that I thought, okay, that's that. <laughs> so, um, so kind of healed from that. And then we kept trying and it felt like it was taking a long time to get pregnant again. So that was October of 2017. Um, but in, April of 2018, I found out that I was pregnant again. Um, so I was really excited. Um, <laughs> part of it is I, I really like my doctor. She's so nice. So I like when, you know, I like the experience of going to see her and we have That's a good, good time. Yeah. So, um, so that pregnancy was a little different. Um, uh, because I kind of had spotting throughout it. So um, 
at about eight weeks, I called and I asked to have my ultrasound a little bit earlier because I was thotting and it was actually my birthday. And I was like, I just kind of want to know what's going on. I was pretty nervous the whole time that I was going to have another miscarriage because I just had that miscarriage. I mean, I hadn't just had it, but I'd had a previous one. Um, so they fit me in to come in and, and um, get my first ultrasound. And um, the baby looked good. There was a heartbeat and they, everything looked good. And I talked to the doctor afterwards and she said, you know, there's, I understand your concern because you're spotting, but there's um, really no reason to think that this isn't going to be a really healthy, viable pregnancy. Um, and I, I, I did sort of say like, well, you know, like some things are different and I never had spotting with my other pregnancies. And they just said, well, you're older and it gets harder. And it did feel harder. I will say that. Like I was more tired and I just felt like a little bit um, more uncomfortable, but it was manageable, definitely. Um, so then I went back in for my first like actual appointment and it was around 10 weeks and I was still just kind of nervous. I'm an anxious person in general, and um, my doctor knows that. So we went, and they looked. I they gave me another just like quick ultrasound, and um, to like look at the baby and see that everything was going okay, and the heartbeat was perfect. And she was like, "You are doing, it's great. Don't worry, you'll be okay." So then, um. At about 12 weeks, I went in for that, um, you know, the nuchal uh, scan or whatever it's called that yep. they do. So I went in for that. And um, yeah, so that was still okay. Like the baby looked okay, but they said that the baby was measuring a little smaller than they expected. So they thought maybe my dates were wrong, which I was like, well, that's possible. Um, so the ultrasound tech like went and talked to my doctor and the radiologist and they decided that they were just going to change my dating. Um, so I think like by a week, so I was going to be like 11 weeks and not 12 weeks. And they said, come back like two and a half weeks or so later. So around that point, so I was like, okay, um, so I've, I've normally kind of told people, well, actually, with my first pregnancy, I didn't tell anyone until 16 weeks. But with my second one, I did. And with this one, I did because I was kind of, you know, showing because I have no, like, abdominal muscles anymore. And um, and so I told somebody at work one day, and I told, like, my manager, and I told – um. I, we'd start telling family and friends, um, and we told our kids, which is something <laughs> that I really, I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about now, all this time later. Um, but we told them and they were really excited and like talking about the baby a lot, particularly my son. My daughter was still pretty young at that point because she was probably only like two and a half or so. So, um, so pretty much like right at 14 weeks, I'd had like a stressful day at work and I came home and I had like a terrible headache and my heart was just like really racing out of my chest. 
and um, I went to the bathroom and there was like a small amount of pink blood. So I'd had like um, spotting throughout, but it had always been like a darker brown color and this was pink. Um, so I kind of freaked out a little bit, but, um, you know, I didn't really know what to do with that. Um, so I just told my husband, I'm going to go to urgent care. Like, I'm just not really good at not knowing what's going on. So I went to their urgent care and they only had the Doppler. They didn't have, um, the ultrasound machine. Um, so they listened to the heartbeat and it took them a while to find it, but they found it. And, um, they said, you know, headaches are pretty normal because of having so much blood flow and heart palpitations too. And the, the doctor at the urgent care is like an osteopath. So she was like, do you mind if I put hands on you? And I was like, o okay. And so she, um, she was like touching my pressure points, like in my neck and my head. And that really helped. So, I felt better. I went home. I told my husband what was going on. And um, and he was like, well, that's good. But I was still pretty worried. And then I woke up the next day and there was more blood. It still wasn't a lot, but there was some. So I called my doctor, my OB, and they said, okay, why don't you come in? You know, that can be normal, but why don't you come in and get an ultrasound um, and check on you? So, so I don't know how relevant this is, but my husband actually works as a counselor at the hospital where I was going for these appointments. Um, so it was great, like, cause he could just pop in. But, um, so I told him when my appointment was like, I made arrangements at work for other people to do my visits for me. And I, I did actually tell like a few people, like I said something to the effect of like, I'm having some people who I told about my pregnancy, I'm having some weird things happening. I need to go to the doctor just so they knew because it's hard. I don't want to flake on people. And so um, I went in for the ultrasound and I, and my husband wasn't there yet. And I was like calling him and texting him and I was like, he has to come. And they were like, we'll wait till he gets here, which was, I thought, a little strange because normally they're just like, well, you only have this much time for an appointment. Right. So I was like, oh, okay, this is different. So my husband got into the ultrasound room and the text started and she like, I'm pretty sure did the transvaginal ultrasound. And it was like very quick. Like she was immediately like, I need to go get your doctor. I'll be right back. Um, and I said to my husband, like, do you think that's bad? And he was like, just wait and see, like, we'll see what's happening. And then they came in with, um, the ultrasound technician came in with my OB and, um, and they, and she was just sort of like, hi, but they didn't say anything. And she said, my OB said, I remember so clearly, she was like, we're just going to talk shop for a little bit. And so they were talking and, um, with you or just amongst with themselves? each other. Yeah. Okay. They were like, we're just going to talk shop. So they started like talking about how big the baby was measuring, I think, and things like that. And they weren't saying anything to me and it felt like it was going on forever. I'm sure it was only like 30 seconds or something. And then finally I just remember saying like, is there a heartbeat? 
and my doctor saying no. Um, and just like, yeah, sobbing loudly. Um, and they were both sort of like taken aback, I think, but it was, um, cause it was a very loud reaction and they looked at it and they said the baby looked kind of different. Um, it looked like it had stopped growing at 11 weeks. Um, which was confusing because I'd had the ultrasound at 12 weeks and the heartbeat had still been there. And I even heard the heartbeat the night before when I went to the urgent care. Um, so it was just a really like confusing thing. So they kind yeah. of moved me from the ultrasound room into the, um, my doctor's, you know, the patient room and, um, and I remember like the nurse came in to take my blood pressure and stuff. And then she just looked at me and she was like, I'll come back. And she was really young. Cause I think I was still pretty hysterical at that point. And I said, no, no, it's okay. And she was like, no, I just won't get a good reading. Like we're going to. Yeah. Skip it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. And it was just like going through my head. I just felt stupid. Really. It, I felt like, because I like told my kids, I told their teachers at their school, uh, um, at their childcare, I had told, like at the time there was like talk about um, a bunch of houses across the street, like going in and uh, having a development, like a developer buying them and knocking them down and building 42 townhomes where there were seven houses. So there was like a lot of talk in the neighborhood about that. And I wanted to get more information. So I had like told my neighbor across the street, like, we're expecting, like, I need to know what's going on. And I told my, our real estate agent, like, I just told really bizarre people. And I was like, oh my God, like now everybody knows, like, I've just felt so stupid, which is a bizarre way to feel. Um, but, um, so we went, so the doctor came in and she kind of explained the options of that they could, I could pass the miscarriage, you know, naturally I could have a DNC or I could take medicine. Um, and she said, she's been my doctor for many years. So she said, you know, just knowing you, I think it will be really hard on you to carry around, um, a baby that's not viable, like waiting for it to pass. Um, so I was like, yeah, I agree. I want to do the DNC. So this was like a Friday and I think we scheduled the DNC for the following Tuesday. Um, so I went home and I had to like tell all my coworkers what had happened, tell my family. It was just pretty miserable. And I remember like, I don't know how it happened. Like walking through, I guess I was at home. Yeah, I went home and then my husband went and picked up our kids and my son like walked through the door and was like, mommy, and then saw me and that I was still crying and pretty upset. And he was like, what's wrong? And then I told him, you know, the baby, um, it's the baby. We're not going to have the baby. And he was like, the baby died? And I said, yeah. 
And then him just sort of hugging me and sobbing also, which just made me feel worse that I had um, traumatized him with that as well. Um, So, yeah, we just like took it easy and I just kind of laid around and I started to feel some cramping, but I didn't really think much of it. And then um, Saturday mornings in our home, our gymnastics morning. So I got up and my husband was like, do you want to come? And I was like, yeah, I guess so. And then I remember sitting at gymnastics, like in the metal chairs and just getting like really terrible cramps at that point. And we normally get donuts after gymnastics. So I was like, I don't think we can get donuts. Like we got to go home. I do not feel good. So I went home and laid down and I started to feel a little bit better. And my husband made me a bagel breakfast sandwich, which is relevant for later because I ate all of that. And then I started to have like terrible cramping and it felt like a contraction. Like it felt like when I went to the hospital with my, well, with my son, they had to induce me, but with my daughter, like it felt like the contractions that made me go to the hospital And I'd had, and I've heard so many women say this, but I'd had the same like information from my doctor that everybody else has, which is that um, it's just going to be a bad period. And I was like, this is not a bad period. Um, This is labor in labor. (laughs) And I really had absolutely no idea that it was going to be that bad. So I called the doctor on call and um, he was like, yeah, I can feel like labor. And I was like, well, thank you for telling me finally somebody. Um, So they said, you know, you can come into the ER and we can give you some medication. And they said, we can even do the DNC today. The only thing is we have to wait um, so many hours because I had eaten that bagel breakfast sandwich, which was like, why did I do that? Um, So because they would have to put me under. Um, So I was like, yeah, I just, okay. Um, And at that point, I remember feeling a little bit like, why didn't they warn me? Like, why didn't they give me medication for this? This is really, really bad. And um. And I was like sort of intermittently like Googling on my phone too and being like, oh, wait, other people are saying this. Like, why didn't I know this? Um, But so I decided to go to the ER and we don't really like have family in the area. Um, So my husband was like, what are we going to do with the kids? And I was like, just drop me off. Like, I don't care. Just drop me off. Um. So he drove me to the ER with our kids in the car and I was like having labor pains and contractions. And I remember my son was, he's a very emotional person, was in the back of the car and he started being like, why are we going to the hospital? Are you going to die? And then he was like, I don't want you to die. So he was like starting to scream that as we were going. Um, So it was just like a pretty dramatic That is intense. Yeah, so I was getting out of the car with him sobbing that I was going to die and he was never oh, going no. to see me again. I was like, 
So I went in and I told them what was going on and they took me back to a room. And then I was thinking about this part, like this next part was a bit hazy um, because, yeah, so I went to the ER, they checked me in and, um, and like a doctor came in and he was very young. (laughs) I had my own room. It's a very nice ER that they have. And I kind of told him what was going on and he was like, yeah, so we're going to get you some pain medication. And I feel like they gave me an IV or they took some blood or something. Um, but at that point, like my contractions just like ramped up and he left the room and I was all by myself in the room and it was just like constant waves of really, really intense pain. And I was like, breathing and I I I always tried to get epidurals pretty early on with my my kids so I was like this is horrible um and so I was like holding on to the railings like the side of the bed just like clutching them and and I like bared down kind of like you do in labor and then all of a sudden I felt this like I feel like it was even audible like a pop and a gush and the pain was just done. And I like laid back down gasping. <laughs> so I was like, that is not good. I, or I didn't, I just didn't know. Like, I was like, that's not going to be pretty, whatever just happened. <laughs> um, Cause I was still even that whole morning, not having like very heavy bleeding. And um, so I told the doctor and he was like, okay, well, I'll have a nurse come in and like take you to the bathroom and um, help like clean up, I guess he was saying. So I was like, okay. Hmm. So a nurse came in because I kind of explained what happened and um, because the bathroom was across the hall. So she like walked me across the hall and she was like, um, she like laid down like, I don't know, one of those like, I want to say like a pee pad kind of thing on the floor of the bathroom. And she was like, okay, why don't you just stand over this and like take your pants off. And then um, if you need me, I'm outside the door. So I'm like totally by myself. So I was like, okay. Well, you don't really know what you're about to see, I'm assuming. Oh, I had no idea. I thought it was just going to be a ton of blood. Like, and so I, um, I like pulled down my pants and it was a baby. Like I, um, I'm like, I want to be like sensitive to people listening. I don't know how graphic, but like there was like, uh, what looked like kind of like a brain that was still sort of like in me. And then there was a cord and then there was like a very clearly formed small baby. Um, and, yeah, I just remember being like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like I had no idea that's what I would see. It was like the size of the palm of my hand. It was really like it was sizable. And so then it sort of kind of like fell out of me and fell down. Um, And so the nurse was like, are you okay? And I was like, something really big came out of me. And she was like, okay, let me know when I can come in. So she came in and she was like, okay, well, you've passed the baby then. And and um, 
yeah, this part is all just kind of hazy. And then I remember saying like, well, can I keep it? And she was like, yeah, let me go get something to put it in. And um, she went and got like a specimen cup and then like put the baby in it. And it was just, it was like, I don't know. I didn't really touch it at all. And um, I'm, I kind of like wish I had, but I was really scared to. And I didn't really look at it again, which again, I kind of wish I had, but I was like super scared to. And um, it was just like horrifying. Like it was... I think, like, when I think back on this time, like, I think about, like, a lot of things that would, like, particularly in the weeks after it happened, would just, like, replay in my head over and over again. And, like, when was my doctor saying that there was no heartbeat, then telling, and my son just saying the baby's dead over and over again. And then when we were driving to the hospital, him saying I was going to die. And I think he doesn't totally understand death, too, which is, like, part of this. Like, he... But it's it's a little interesting how his brain works. And then just like looking down and seeing the baby, like because it had eyes and it was just like really, really hard. Um, so then I went back into the room and I laid down and the doctor came in and he said he like looked at the specimen jar, like not very long at all, and was just like, well, it looks like you passed everything you can go home if you feel okay. So I called my husband and I was like, you know, I told him what happened and I said, come back and get me. And so he did. And I remember too, like I asked the nurse, could I have um, like a pad because the one I had was a mess and they gave me like a panty liner. <laughs> I was just like, do what? you people know Have what's I... happening right now? <laughs> like, oh my God. I mean, I was just like gushing and yeah, I was you like, needed having... like the postpartum. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like a diaper really essentially at yeah. that point. And it was just like such a weird feeling because I felt like, tr I felt like a bit like of that euphoria that you feel after you have a baby. Like I was like, I did it. Like, because the labor was so difficult and ramped up and then it was over. But then it was such a weird feeling to think about what I'd seen and then the, yeah. So my husband came and like picked me up and I remembered like I couldn't even really sit down because I was like this panty liner isn't gonna like it's just gonna be a mess. So I just kind of like waddled out and then went home and um, went to bed. And my husband was amazing. He like waited on me hand and foot. He felt like he felt really guilty not having been there with me. Which, I mean, like, at the time, now that I think about it, like, I'm like, we should have called a friend or we should have called, a, um, like, somebody, like, our neighbor or something. But it's like, you know, and I think that's what it is. Like, you make a birth plan, but you don't really make, like, a miscarriage plan um, of, like, how you're going to – or maybe some people do, but, like, how you're going to have a miscarriage. Like, 
So we just didn't really know what we were doing. Um, and my, um, my work was really supportive. Like I kept being like, I'm going to have the DNC on Tuesday and I'll be back on Wednesday. And they were like, why don't you take the whole week off? Like you can take a bereavement week. And so I, I, I was like, all right, I'm just going to do that. And, um, my job is kind of hard for me because I work with, um, in birth to three, but I work primarily with, uh, parents who've had a baby who's had an extended hospitalization and are coming home and helping them transition to home. So I work with that, like birth to six month population, um, pretty closely. And I just remember being like, I hate my job. There's no way I can do this job anymore. Like it's not going to happen. Um, and I went and saw a counselor like that week. Cause I was like pretty traumatized. And I was like, this happened. And I think I have to change my whole life. I think I need to get a new job too. Um, but, and she was very helpful <laughs> and I've been seeing her ever since. Um, and I went back to work and I didn't have to get a whole new life. It really felt like it at time. Like in my daughter's class, there was somebody who was pregnant. And um, and so we named the baby Francis because it's sort of like a nickname that I give my husband. Because um, sometimes when he gets real excited, I'll be like, oh, okay, Francis. And then we always said, you know, if we have a third baby, we'll name it Francis. Because we also really like St. Francis a lot. Um, and so um, we did actually do like kind of a nice thing. We went to the, um, to Joanne Fabrics and we bought like a, um, like a little pirate box kind of thing, like a pirate treasure box. And we had our kids decorate it and we put the specimen jar um, in there. And then we buried it in our garden with a St. Francis statue over it and a, um, and we planted a flower and we were like, we did it just my husband and I, like, while the kids were napping. Cause I just didn't want to traumatize them really anymore. And it was so funny because we were just like kind of standing there crying and, or I was crying. And then just like right at that moment, my neighbor's kids, um, who are the same age as my kids, came climbing over our fence, which is how they like to come over to play and like asking where my kids are. And we like went inside and the kids were waking up and I was just like, yeah, life goes on, I guess. But I felt really different. I felt really sad. I felt really broken, like by the experience. And I, um, like, so I was going to like doctors and being like, you know, like test my blood. I think there's like something wrong with me like that. I think something's going on. And they were just sort of like, they would ask a lot of like questions. And then I'd realize, oh no, they just think I'm depressed. <laughs> and I probably just was, I was really, really depressed. Um, cause it brought up like my mom died when I was 18 and my aunt, um, who was like a mother to me, died eight years later. And I was, you know, like, so when 
loss happens, I'm just like instantly brought back to that place of like grief and loss. And I'm like, oh, I know how to do this, you know? And yeah, it was a really big struggle for a long time. And then, so I was just like really searching for like a way to feel better. And so, I mean, I was like going to therapy and it was helpful, but it wasn't like, I just didn't feel better. Um, so because I, of my work, like I learn a lot about sort of like perinatal stuff going on in the community. And I saw that there was a um, healing circle for people who'd experienced like pregnancy and infant loss. And um, I signed up for it <laughs> and it was like so out of character for me, but I just did. And then I told my husband and he was like, that is great. Like, I think that is absolutely what you need to be doing. So I went to it. And I mean, reading about it too, I was like, oh, I can't believe I'm doing this. Cause it was like, you know, we're going to call on our um, ancestors to heal from this pregnancy loss and explore our bodies and like how we feel about them. And it was just overall like very woo woo. Like I was like, it was very like outside of my comfort zone. Like I don't even do yoga. So I was like, I, I don't know. But I went to it and um, and it ended up being like exactly what I needed. It was the most amazing healing experience. And the people who led it like kind of led us on this journey of exploring like what our pregnancies had meant to us and what our losses meant. And um, and we did like we talked about like our dreams and we picked up rocks and we like put them in a did constellations and thought about where we were in relation to them. And we talked about who our ancestors were that were guiding us. And it was very like spiritual and different. And um, like they would do a rattle at the beginning of every group to start it. And it just like was so incredible. I was so amazed. And then at the, the last session, we like all like we had a mindfulness moment where we thought about, I guess, like, or where we like had visions of how we wanted to honor our babies that we'd lost. And we, then we out of that created a whole ritual together to like celebrate them. And we ended up going to this one woman's house who like lived in the country and it was raining and we um, did a bunch of stuff. And then we like went out into her woods and she had all these farm animals and we just like hummed in held candles. <laughs> it was very different and it was so not my thing, but it like was so exactly what I needed. And it was incredible. Wow. Yeah. So I came back from that and we wore like flower crowns on our head and I came back from that and it was like, I felt different. I felt really different. And so I, um, then, um, so at the same time I was still like feeling very desperate for a third baby that I was feeling, I guess that was my main thing that I kept saying was like, this can't be how my, um, childbearing years end. Like I need, 
it can't end with me standing in an ER bathroom by myself, looking down and seeing a fetus dangling between my legs. Like that's just not what can happen. So I went, I, so my husband and I started going to like a reproductive endocrinologist. Um, so like a fertility clinic um, that we were referred to for, uh, and the doctor was somebody who um, specialized in recurrent miscarriages. And so we saw her and um, they did a bunch of testing on me and they were, you know, like every time, um, so they said, you know, we'll only call you if anything's out of the ordinary. So I, they started calling me like a lot. It was like, oh shit. Every time their number came up on my phone. And so then it was that, like, um, I can't remember which ones, but it was like the, the thyroid and the follicle stimulating all those things. The one that was supposed to be low was high. And the one that was supposed to be high was low. And so they just said, you know, it just means that you have older eggs and that your body is working really hard and that the quality of the eggs is probably not great. Um, so we talked about like our options and my husband and I knew that we weren't going to like IVF wasn't something that we were going to do. Um, so they, um, but we talked about doing like an IUI and I was like, you know, we tried for many months after that miscarriage and it wasn't happening. So we thought like, okay, why not? Let's try doing IUI. Um, so we, um, so I did it and I did the, so this was like in May of this year and I did, I took the medicine and I went into the doctor and they did the trigger shot. And then my husband went in to like give the specimen, which was not a great experience for him. And they called later that day and they were like, we're really sorry, but, um, it's not a good specimen. We can't do it this round. So I was like kind of disappointed, but they said, you know, you can still try it the old fashioned way. So we did. And, um, and then we were just going to try it again the next month. And so I guess maybe that was early June that we, that happened. And then like a lot of really crazy stuff happened. Like my husband graduated from his master's program and we had tons of family in town and we went to, um, Orcas Island, an island with um, our family um, for a week. And it was <laughs> a, a really magical experience. Like we just had such a lovely time. And on the last day of it, and I was having a lot of like um, stomach pains while I was there. And I was like, what is going on? And in the back of my mind, I was thinking, you know, like when I was pregnant with my daughter, I got a lot of like cramping, I think as I was implanting or whatever. And I thought, gosh, I wonder if that's what it is because I had really tender breasts. Um, but so I went to, so on the last day that we were in Orcas Island, it was the summer solstice day and just like all these magical things happened. I, I, the night before I had dreamed, I'd had a very specific dream that about the rattle, like the rattling that they had done at my healing circle. And I saw like a rattle in my dream. 
And then that day on the summer solstice day, we went into um, a shop and I looked down and there was a rattle there that looked exactly like the rattle from my dream. I was like, oh my God. So I bought it. <laughs> and then, and I told my kids like, you can't touch this. This is mommy's toy. <laughs> um, and then I went, and then they had this big solstice parade. So we were watching it. And my husband was like, I want to get a flower crown for for Roberta or my daughter. And I was like, oh, because there was people making flower crowns there. So he got one for her and she like refused to wear it. So I was like, I'll wear it. So it was like all these elements from my healing circle, I felt like were coming back because I had like my flower crown and the rattle and I was it was the solstice and I was like, what is going on? So we got home later that night. We took the ferry back home. And, um, and I, as we were driving home, I said to my husband, I want to take a pregnancy test. And he was like, no, it's not going to work. Like you're not pregnant. It wouldn't work like that. And I said, no, I want to take a pregnancy test. And he was like, fine. So he like went in and bought one. He was just like, I don't know why, you know, you're, I don't want you to be disappointed and depressed. Like we just had a lovely vacation. And um, I went in and I took the pregnancy test and he was outside watering the garden. And then I was pregnant. So I like walked outside in just my socks and I was like, see, I knew it. He was like, oh, okay. And then I, I was asking him like, aren't you excited? And he said, you know, I don't, I don't want to be excited because I don't want to be disappointed again. But he's like, let's just take it day by day and see what happens. So I called. So I was pregnant. So we didn't tell like anyone this time. We kept it totally to ourselves. Um, my husband said, I'm not going to tell anyone until the baby is born. And I was like, okay. Um, and so we went to see the reproductive endocrinologist because they were going to follow us until I went to my OB once it was, you know, pretty much through the first trimester. So we went to see them and they did an ultrasound and they saw the pregnancy and they thought they saw the heart, but they weren't sure because I have a tilted uterus apparently. So they were like, come back in another week and a half. So we did and they saw it again and it was bigger but they still couldn't really get a good view of the heartbeat. And the ultrasound tech was sort of like, well, it's not quite the size that I would hope it to be, but it's just hard to tell because you didn't do IUI. It's hard to tell what the exact date is and it's so small anyways. So they said, why don't you come back in like two or three weeks and then we can do another ultrasound um, if you want to. And I was like, I want to. So we went back and at that point I was about like nine and a half, 10 weeks along. And, um, we went in and the ultrasound tech did the tech, uh, the ultrasound. And she was like, I'm sorry, it is not a viable pregnancy. And I was just sort of like, well, that's great. You know, I, I had such a funny reaction that time. I was just very bitter. Like it was not the like loud sobbing of the previous time. Um, so I said, you know, okay, great. And she, um, she said, I'll, I'll give you some time. And I was like, I don't, I don't need time. Like we're, we both have to go to work. 
she was like a little taken aback by it. And I, and then we sat down and, um, I started, I was again, like, I really hate my job. Like, because that morning I had a appointment to visit a baby who's the third baby of a family. And I was just like, there's no way I can go into this house and, and do my spiel like, and support them. And so, um, I was texting my manager and I just texted her, you know, I was pregnant, but now I'm not, I'm having a miscarriage. Somebody needs to cover for me today. And then she was like, I'm so sorry. Um, and she found someone to cover for me. And it was at that point, like when I was miscarriage or when I was typing out that I was having a miscarriage that it like it actually hit me at that point. And I just started crying really, really hard. And I said to the the nurse practitioner, when she came in, I said, is this it? Like, is it just not going to happen for us? And she was like, no, it doesn't mean that. And it was just, it was really, it was, that's when I lost it. So my husband went to work and I, took myself out for eggs Benedict. And I just like sat in a restaurant and cried by myself in the corner. And, um, I had planned to, um, go with my son to go see the, in his class to go see the Lion King at the IMAX movie theater. And I was like, I'm going to do that. And I'm really, really glad I did. Cause that was like my, um, my son goes to an inclusive, he went to an inclusive childcare and he, he has an autism and ADHD diagnosis. Um, so there are kids in his class who have special needs and kids who don't. So I accompanied that class to the, the IMAX. And it was like, um, it just kind of like, it was just a really special experience, like going to see movies, with kids with special needs, cause they just are so like pure in the way that they enjoy entertainment. Um, and like two of the kids, like I had to help them like sit down because they were just like sort of propped up on the seat. Like it didn't occur to them to like put the seat down. And it was just like, I don't know. It was the greatest thing I could have done for myself. Just like being with my son and those kids. And it was really special. And, um, yeah. And so I had a DNC scheduled for, so that was a Monday for Thursday and, um, I kept telling him like, I really don't want to pass this miscarriage again. Naturally, that was a nightmare. And they said, um, you know, I had been t- taking progesterone, um, suppositories and they were like, just keep doing that. Cause that will stop your body from doing it naturally. So I went in for the DNC and it was very typical, like my family trying to do anything because we were going to drop my kids off at their school first and then go. And we walked out the door. Oh, and my daughter had been sent home early the previous day for having diarrhea. And we walked out the door and she just goes, daddy, I pooped. And it was like (laughs) the diarrhea had not stopped. We had hoped it had, but it had not. And so we had to like run her inside, like change her really quick. And we dropped her off and they were like, is she better? And we were like, Oh yeah, she's totally fine. But she wasn't. And so 
actually my husband dropped me off first to get the DNC and then dropped her off at school. And then he, by the time he had picked me, like gone back to meet me in the recovery room, they'd already texted her, texted him to say he had to come get her that she'd had diarrhea three times. So it was like, yeah, that's how things happen in my family. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> so then he had to, so once they said I could leave from the DNC, then we had to go pick her up um, and bring her home. <laughs> like, and so she could, we just had to like cover our couch with towels and that was that. And it was a lot better of an experience than the previous miscarriage. First of all, it wasn't as far along because I was 14 weeks at the previous one and I was only 10 at this one. And, um, and just, I felt really like safe and protected with the doctor's office and having the DNC, you know, like I'm just a person who really needs control. And like, I just had control really over the experience. Um, so I, I realize now that you just asked one question and I just probably talked for an hour. So I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. Keep going. So what was the recovery like for this one? Okay. Sorry. The recovery from this last one was fine. I just laid in a bed with a hot heating pad. I was pretty hysterical this last time, like emotionally. I was just like really struggling. Um, Cause I hate to keep bringing up my work, but it like overlaps so much with this. And um, at the same time I had, I was working with a um, 18 month old that had a um, terminal illness and so I was like, it had been a real struggle and I, um, the whole sequence of that. So, um, the recovery was really hard. I was really emotional. Physically, I felt fine. Emotionally, I just felt like I was awful. And then I went back to work and the, um, and I was there like about a week or two. And then the, this baby who I'd been seeing every week, um, for about a year, um, passed away. And I was just like, I was wrecked. Um, and then, yeah, I just was wrecked. <laughs> it yeah, was again, just intense. like oh my so gosh. much stuff in such a short period of time. And I was just kind of losing it. Like I was losing it at work. I was losing it at home. I just was like deeply, deeply unhappy. Um, and so one night, late at night, I was looking at my phone and I saw that somebody had a um, certification in compassionate bereavement care. So kind of grief counseling. And I looked and the, the certification course was going to be in Sedona in like a couple of weeks. And so I just signed up like in the middle of the night and I was like, I'm going to do this. Cause I'm either going to have to like change my job or figure out how to do this and like process my own losses and do this job. <laughs> so I went to Sedona for four days and I learned about grief and loss and it was a really important thing to do. And I had this like, you know, when I saw my counselor shortly after the, the second loss, she had said like, it's, you know, I kept saying it just doesn't make sense. Like it just is like, I can't figure out any meaning in this loss. 
And she was like, you know, maybe at some point you will, but that's not for right now. And so when I was in Sedona, I went on this sunrise hike and I was by myself and I was just thinking about all this stuff I'd learned at this four day training. And I like suddenly kind of, it came to me that, um, that like, I'd never really done like grief work and grieved for like my losses that I'd had as a young adult with my mom and my aunt until I had this miscarriage and it just like wrecked my world so much that I was, and I had kids that I had to take care of that. I was like, okay, I got to figure out what this means in my life. And that was the first time that I finally said, okay, maybe there is some meaning in my losses and that it's like made me figure out that there's some healing that needed to have happened that happened. So yeah, that was my recovery. It's always like, go, go, go. Cause I have kids. I feel bad, honestly, for even trying so much. And like for, I wonder if these losses are because I'm not meant to have a third child. It's me being greedy, wanting a third child. I, people will say you should just be happy. They tell me all the time, just be happy with the kids you have. And it's not that I'm unhappy with the children I have. I'm thrilled with the children I have. And that's why I want to have another child. Um, and just, you know, like my vision for my family feels really incomplete. And I have a hard time feeling happy with what I have because I'm still yearning for something else. And I feel very guilty because it. I've been able to have children pretty easily, my first two. Um, but that's sort of where I'm at. Um, so we're still trying, but, and I think for the first time, I'm finally like in a place where I'm like, if this doesn't happen for me, if I don't have a third child, like there will just always be a hole in my heart. But like, there's, people live with holes in their heart, you know, so I just have to do that. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, cause my, I think I shared before with my best friend whose baby was stillborn and I, and I was talking to her about really wanting a third baby and just feeling like my family wouldn't be complete without it. And she said to me, you know, like her family will never be complete because they're always missing that first baby. And that's, there's nothing she can do to ever make her family complete. And I think it's just realizing, yeah, there may be nothing I can do to make my family complete. That's so, a really yeah. interesting insight from her. Yeah. She's hmm. amazing. <laughs> wow. So yeah. Um, my last miscarriage was like a just a and couple and a months ago. ago. Yeah, yeah, August first, and I feel like, yeah, I feel like I'm actually in an okay place with it right now, which feels kind of strange because I wasn't with the 14 week one for such a long time. The other piece that's been kind of different too is so they sent the the products of conception to be tested because it was my third miscarriage. And it came back that um, 
the baby had was a boy, which I didn't know with the other two. Um, and it had a duplication of like trisomy 16, which is ultimately not viable with life. Um, so the baby wouldn't have lived if the pregnancy had progressed any longer. And um, that the origin of the um, mutation was from me, <laughs> which I was like, that's not really nice information to hear. But like, as they kind of explained it to me at the doctors that it was sort of um, best worst case scenario, because it's just something that happens when the chromosomes split or whatever, and that um, it doesn't mean it will happen again. Um, and it wouldn't have been a viable baby. So it's not anything I did. So I think having that information was in some ways like kind of helpful for me because I'm a, like a real information person, but it made me like wish I had gotten that with a 14 week baby because um, it's just really hard not knowing like what happened in that case, but that's life. So, um, cause I did actually ask <laughs> like we if we dug up the baby from our garden, can you test it? And they were like, no, we can't. So, um, I wondered the same thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's I was not weird. Yeah. Cause I just, it was really hard not knowing I'd gone so far in the pregnancy. Like I didn't really even realize that I, it wouldn't have, that that would happen. So, um, yeah. And it was such a formed looking baby that I was just, confused. Um, but so I think that's been helpful to me to have that knowledge this time, which I didn't have last time. I don't know if that would be helpful for everyone, but it works for me. Well, it's something. Yeah. There's so much unknown that it gives you something. Hey, you stay connected. Find us on Instagram at managing miscarriage on Facebook at miscarriage nonprofit and don't forget to download the free e-guide on our website, managingmiscarriage.com. Please rate and review this podcast to help other women find us and consider sharing your story. Hang in there, mama.